This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like one of the the best things to do is a a nap is one of the most underrated things in the world. Yes, <laughs> you know it is. It is all right. Um, this is the Talking Tactics podcast. What's going on, guys? My name's Daniel. It's your boy Double H Half Hope. Yeah, we're in here for I think this is the fifth one that we've done on this World Cup. So shout out to you guys for for paying attention on this World Cup, man. It's it's winding down. We only have two teams left. So well, technically there's there's four teams. But the third place game, we, we're not even going to concern ourselves with that one, really. Um, yeah, so you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tactics, Facebook, Talking Tactics, um, Instagram as well. Um, subscribe on the iTunes Store and the Apple Podcasts. It's free. Um, leave us a five-star review and we'll read it on the show. If you're listening on SoundCloud, be sure to hit the hearts, all that stuff. You guys know the general spiel at this point, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, Carl, I'm sure, is is drunk somewhere. So Carl will be around when he's around, man. Can I just ask one thing very quickly? You can ask one thing quickly. If Deschamps loses back-to-back finals, should he sleep in the Brick Academy for all time? Good question. He should have his own room, you know? (laughs) You know what? If he loses, do you think he stays? No. He'll have got to two finals in a row in two major competitions. I feel like they might keep him around still. I think it would be too painful. Like, like, no, 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 basically, he will leave. He won't, I don't think he'll be sacked, but he will leave. I would find it very hard for him to emotionally be able to G himself up for Euro 2020, losing back-to-back finals, man. We did a record during the quarterfinal, um, or right after the quarterfinal, so we should probably shout out the teams that didn't make it. So shout out Brazil, shout out Uruguay, shout out Russia, shout out Sweden. Valiant efforts on most of their parts. Mm. But uh, we'll keep this one directed on on the semifinal. Um, how did you find Belgium France? Did you find it enjoyable? I thought it was oh, no, a pretty no, no. good I, game. I, I, know, I thought I thought it was a really good game. Like this was a really good semifinal. I think I really enjoyed the the game. It was like it was like a really good match to watch. And I don't know why people were like saying, "Oh no, it wasn't very good." And I think basically those guys from ESPN FC are morons. They really are morons. <laughs> like. I was listening to them because, again, I was like, okay, this is the only football kind of thing that's out, football show that I know. And Craig Bolly was saying Belgium should see this as a failure. And Shaka Hislop, who's the only guy that has a brain that says, wait a minute, why is this a failure when nobody thought they would actually make it this far? Then Bolly says, well, after 
you beat Brazil, your expectations must change. And I'm like, you didn't beat a Ronaldo, Rivaldo, Brazil. You beat a bunch of kids who tactically played into your hands. So how were Belgium favorites to beat France because they beat Brazil? I'm sorry. How? What did Brazil do to say that they were favorites for this World, World Cup? Not nothing. So you don't think it's, it's more like, like once once you beat Brazil in any international tournament, you don't feel like people think automatically you're the guy to beat now, even if it's not 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 Brazil or 2000s even. You beat Brazil, like you beat the team with the yellow shirt, the blue shorts. Like you beat that team, therefore people are going to look at you like you're 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 the favorite now. Like you have a target on your back because you took out the vaunted Brazil. Like that's no. what happens, whether right or wrong, whether the team doesn't no, 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 warrant that kind of respect or it does. Why that doesn't make any sense to me is that this Brazil team did not evoke the kind of fear of the Brazil team of old. Like we see when France took out that Brazil team. The shirt team, invokes the fear. It doesn't the players don't matter necessarily when it comes to Brazil. It's just the factor oh, of it being Brazil. So let's say if um what's it called Stefan Givash <laughs> Yakubu um who was some other bricks Matthias Janssen and so forth somehow played for Brazil you beat them even if they're a bunch of bricks you're like man I beat the, the great Brazil, but they're a bunch of bricks. I, oh, I, but I, I, I think that link has been driven in people's minds so much that Brazil is the best team in the world. Once you beat them, you become some sort of a favorite. I think at, at, at least once you get to like the quarterfinals. And the Belgium, no, no, well, 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 Belgium that, didn't just that, beat them. Belgium wiped Brazil, bro. Like it wasn't just some regular routine fluky win. Like they didn't wipe them. Second half, Jesus. Was that a penalty? Coutinho, you have to score that. Neymar, look at the chance that I had. Like, Courtois, a superb save. Renato Augusto, you have to score that. <laughs> so Brazil had like two, three, um, not just half chances, amazing chances to equalize. How many chances did Belgium have that they didn't convert? And once you do that math, I'm sure it's leans heavily, uh, not, heavily no, more no, no, in Belgium's Belgium. favor. But, but, but the point is, once you beat Brazil, you're going to be looked at like, okay, now it's your time to do something. And then they, they play France, and it didn't quite work out that way. One, because I, people looked at Belgium-Brazil and thought, if Belgium can play like this, they will beat France. The problem is Brazil played nothing like France, or rather France played nothing like Brazil would probably be the better way to put it. Mm. Brazil played with optional fullbacks like Fagner I don't know. I, I don't know who this guy is. I know he plays in the Brazilian league. If you watch the Brazilian league, get in contact with us. Tell us. Tell us if he's good or not. Right? Marcelo is, for all intent and purpose, a left winger. Like he's. Yeah. It's, it's it's optional whether he plays fullback. There was no way that France was going to let Pavard and Hernandez just hey you guys just go forward and leave us with two center backs here at the back. Like that was never going to happen. So the space that De Bruyne, Hazard, and Lukaku had to exploit against Brazil was never going to be there in the same way against France unless they scored first and then France had to you know go forward and then that left space at the back that was it was never going to happen that way so for people to use the Belgian Brazil blueprint to say oh that means they're up there with France or like the France game is going to go like this I thought that was a bit stupid or at least short-sighted that might be a nicer way to say it yeah France were just who we thought they were man like it's a Deschamps team and the, the football they play is disrespectful to the talent that they have. Like they should play way better football, but the football they play is yeah. is effective for the personnel that they have. But you it's, see glimpses, though. You you do see glimpses of what these oh guys. Oh boy! Can. I will never give Deschamps credits, even if France win the World Cup. I'll never give him credits. Like 
when Mbappe, Mbappe could have given us the greatest World Cup assist in history. But because if that falls to Benzema, we have the greatest assist in history. If that falls to Martial, we have the greatest assist in history. If that falls to Lagazette, we have the greatest World Cup assist in history. Um, <laughs> and I want to I go one step further. Mbappe at 19 has made a greater impact and had a better performance at a World Cup than Messi and Cristiano have in any World Cup they've played. Oh, no, 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 please, no, 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 don't worry. I'll, I'll wait, I'll wait. Please respond. I'll wait, I'll wait. I know you don't like Messi in 2014, but... Let's, oh, no, 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 let's talk, let's talk again. So after the group stage, what, what did you do after the group stage? When the World Cup really begins, because group stage is just warm up. In the critical game, second round, quarterfinal, semifinal, final, how well did he play? So don't just give me like moments and I sit here, how well did he, did he play? Did he excite you? in the way that Mbappe has against Argentina, against what's it called, Belgium, and even in bits against Uruguay, which was a very tough game. Like Mbappe, every single time he touches the ball, something positive happens. That wasn't Messi in 2014. He scored against Bosnia. He scored yeah, against... Sorry, Bosnia. He scored against Iran, scored two against Nigeria. Yeah, I then... mean, without, without... I know, obviously, Messi and Ronaldo have never scored in the Nakasejo World Cup, so I'm just going by the group stage. They don't get through that without him. I don't know, man. I think I, I, it's a hot take. It's not a, a, a hot take. It's the it's the truth. What was I trying to say? Giroud is useful, man, but he's annoying, bro. <laughs> Giroud is a brick. He's no, 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 no. Basically, um, what's it called? Devil from from the banter. He, he he put it the best. He's a brick, but he's a useful brick. And there are some bricks that you actually need to build a house onto onto function. So yeah, he's a useful brick, but he's still a brick. Let's not get it twisted. He's still essentially a brick. The thing about Giroud is. The things that come into his mind are ge- are actually genius. Like the header that he had in the first half, I think it was, mm. like that that like went past Courtois' post. Like the the idea oh, yeah, yeah. to think that I can head this kind of forward, and the ball will and I'll spin the ball so it'll go in the opposite direction. That's genius. If it comes off the flicks he tries, like he did against Crystal Palace, obviously for Arsenal, like the Scorpion goal or whatever it was, when it works. He seems like a genius. Like, you could put Giroud's best goals up against someone like Zlatan, and it wouldn't look that far off. Giroud could trick you into thinking that he's an exceptional player. If you take, like, his top five goals ever scored, you're like, oh, God, like, is this guy a world-class player? He thinks genius level, but there's something about his his actual ability that doesn't have the capability to fulfill what he thinks. Which is like the weirdest thing about watching Giroud, man. So like in his mind, Mbappe flicks it. He's like, I got this. This is a goal. No, 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 no. You ain't And then like a split second later, it's going out for a corner. You're like, Jesus, if that was anybody else, if that was a more competent finisher, maybe he scores a goal, man. Mbappe, man, I think we've been raving about him the whole tournament. I mean, ever since the first game, second game, he's been France's best player. And uh, yeah, man, for him to be doing this at 19 still is... It, it's crazy. I, I don't even know. Like it's it's just crazy, man. We got to give props to to Umtiti and I suppose Varane for scoring in the quarterfinal. Oh no 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 no! Varane was the man of the match. Yeah Varane was yeah. I mean, like once Belgium were kind of under it and they put on mm. Mertens and there was cross after cross after cross. You were like, okay, Lukaku's gonna get on one of these. Fellaini might get on one of these or whatever mm. or whoever it was. But Varane's head was there every time. He was immense. What's your take on? What Hazard and, and Couture said after the game. Could you enlighten me on what they said after the game? So basically, to pretty much just sum it up, they, they were they both said that 
they would rather that they lost to Brazil than losing to France because France were basically playing anti-football and at least Brazil came out to come and play. You see, I don't like that excuse, man. Um, that's I mean that I mean to come and say that that's it. like I mean you're you're trying to win a game, so you expect every team to come out and play and be open warfare. Like is is this like tiddlywings or something? No, this is a bloody world cup. <laughs> no, like, it's, it's, it's a it's world like cup. They, they they wanted the game simple, like against Brazil. Brazil made the game relatively easy. Oh, very simple. But against France, you actually have to think a bit. Like they're not just gonna let you have a free for all. So I, I don't like that excuse when it's like, man, they played anti football. They didn't let us do what we wanted. So now we pout. Like uh, that's the whole point of a sport. Like we're not supposed to let you do what you want. Like you know, uh, you it's know, it's, it's like yo, they made it hard for me. I'm looking at it like, duh. Like that's what they're supposed to do. You know, uh, I I don't like saying, oh, I would have rather lost than won. Like what does that mean? No, no, look, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. No, no, no. For me, I think like okay, did did Belgium flop? I don't think they played badly against France, and France is a tough team to beat. The the, the way they set up and the individual talent that they have. I don't think anybody who loses to France is going to be like, ooh, we messed up. Like, I think they're that good. So, no, I don't think Belgium flopped. If anything, I've been very impressed with them, especially their manager, considering all the stick we gave him to start. Yeah, no, no, he's made um, a lot of time. No, but no, but basically, this Belgian, basically, this Belgian side, I think they're very equipped. If they still keep Martinez and Henri, I think they're equipped to really go out and win those Euros. I'm going to touch on, on England as, as well, because obviously we're going to get into England afterwards because... So people are still talking about England should be favorites for the Euros and stuff like that. But <laughs> I'll basically I'll get to the English. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rant about the English media and the pundits later on. But <laughs> I'm gonna rant about England in another sense. Like we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, what do no, you no, think no, about no, Henri no, being no. being Belgium assistant? <laughs> he, he, look, does Henri strike you as a guy that's like, oh my gosh, I'm so conflicted from no, it's like mates, I've got a kind of yeah, kind of yeah. I bet you like he probably has over a nah. hundred caps for France, man. Let me look this up. Thierry do you know Henry. the do you know the history of the French country and and France, and doesn't Henri strike you as a guy who is very woke? <laughs> he kind of does. Let's let's look this up. One hundred and twenty-three France caps. There's no way he's looking at that. Like, wait, wait, uh, wait, it's, I think it's, wait, doesn't, it's doesn't just doesn't another Turam game. Have like one seventy. I think Turam has the most. Yeah, to, to, in history, Turam has the most no, for France. Um, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was interesting that uh, Thierry Henry was Belgium assistant. And he's like you know top five France player of all time. Where, where, where did I want to go? Oh, no, 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 no. One quick, I mean, shout out to Kante, man. Like, that's what the I reason to go. why Pogba. <laughs> you read my life, man. Yeah, no, no, because seriously, like, the reason why Pogba is getting so much praise, because again, we're not seeing the best of Pogba, but the reason for that is Kante. This guy's reading of the game and what he does is so crucial for France working and functioning, you know? Like whether France are attacking, he's key to launch the counterattacks. Whether they they are they're defending, he's the guy protecting the defense and trying and just notch up all those loose balls and trying to intercept. So nah, man, the the obviously Pogba owes a lot to to to, to Kante because without Kante, Pogba wouldn't be able to do what he does. You no, know, it's funny. Like Manchester United spend however much money it is to quote unlock Pogba, whatever this kind of thing that goes on is. French just have some guy just ready to unlock him, just <laughs> just whatever. Like, let me let me pull up this tweet, man, because I, I I did some research into Kante, so I, I pulled up his like Wikipedia and I was just looking at it. I was like, all right, so 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, this summer. I was like, yo, this guy upgrades every summer. 
So in 2013, Angola Conte was playing in the French third division. What we would understand is the French third division. It has some fancy name. In in 2014, he played in Ligue 2. In 2015, he played in Ligue 1. So he's upgraded all those three years. In 2016, he goes to Leicester and wins the Premier League. In 2017, he gets the move to Chelsea. He's Premier League player of the year uh, or PFA player of the year, I suppose. Um, And now this summer, I feel like from 2017 to now, like if we just take the last 12 months, I feel like Kante's improved dramatically in terms of like forward passing, just his overall control and influence on the football match. No, no, I think his footballing sense has definitely improved for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible the upgrade that he's had because I, I consider him a top five central midfielder in the world at this point. Um, hmm. And for a, a guy that was in, um, I think it's called the national championship five years ago, to be, as you say, is instrumental in unlocking what many would consider the do you think people consider Pogba as like the generational talent in central midfield oh no for sure now let me see Pogba has the talents to be the um quintessential central midfield in the world right right so like this is the prototypical quintessential like he's been earmarked ever since Manchester United to be the best midfielder a central midfielder in the world especially after he went to Juventus and developed in that way and for Kante to be the guy that he needs to be there in order to get the best from Pogba, I think says a lot. Um, and the fact that he's done that over the course of like four years steady. I mean, we got to give Kante his props, man. And I'm glad to say that I remember like maybe top, our first five episodes or so, Kante went to Chelsea and people were like, oh, he's just a workhorse, a power horse. Go back and listen to, I think it's episode four or five of Talking Tactics. And you'll hear us go on a little rant about how Kante is way more than just a workhorse one last thought on, on Kante. Uh, when he signed, I tweeted out, can we please not call N'Golo Kante a workhorse? That kind of language has serious and negative racial undertones, right? Very racist. Very now, racist. I, now, now, and I said, you know, talk about Kante's game reading, his intelligence, his anticipation, his tackling. Talk about what he does with his gifts, not just that he has them. And, you know, people were in my mentions <laughs> talking about, yo, if, if I can pull up a tweet right quick, it's kind of buried in my mentions. Um, basically telling me, you know, shut up. It's a it's a football term used to describe a hardworking player of any color or nationality. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the response I got. And I was like, yo, name like one white player who gets termed as a powerhouse or workhorse. To this guy's credit, he gave me four players. Mark Noble, Jimmy Bullard, Kevin Davies, and Kevin Nolan. And I was like, look, you name me four players and three of them are retired. I can name you three players on Chelsea right now who get that kind of treatment. And he was basically like, yo, stop trying to be racist. Stop, stop trying to be, you know, trying to drum up these kind of situations. And I was basically telling him, like, look, people often try to make black players. They try to take them from being smart and intelligent to, oh, they, they can run fast. They're built like tanks and all this, like their midfield engines and powerhouses and this and that. And I'm like, look, that has racial stereotype written all over it because Mo Farah, for instance, he has fantastic stamina. If you put him on a football pitch, he's not going to be as good as Kante because Kante has a footballing brain. Yeah, so, no, so I'm sorry to ask you, but just even to ask that very quickly, what I always, the th- for me, the thing that ends this whole thing is that people that say these things, they may not have played the sport. If you've played football before, Having just pure power or stamina, as you said, that's not good enough. This is still a skill-based sport. 
Conte has all of those attributes that just augment what he does, but he's very smart because he anticipates, he intercepts, and the ability to intercept and break up play comes from intelligence because anticipation is linked into intelligence and your brain, using your brain to basically read the game two steps, three steps ahead and making the right pass. You need skill and intelligence to play football because football is a very hard, very technical game. This person told me if his main attribute is his work ethic, then he will be described as a workhorse regardless of race. I responded, Conte's main attribute is intelligence, which is my original point. Calling him a workhorse subjugates that brilliance. And this person was like, I don't think it is. It's energy, commitment, power, presence. It, <laughs> you know, it was just... It was kind of jarring to read, and I was and I responded. I was like, "What would those attributes be without an intelligent mind to operate them?" The whole point here is black players are often judged first by their physical attributes, not their mental acuity. When the term workhorse is used, it reinforces those concepts, neglecting the requisite intelligence of great players. And and he he started responding, and he was like, "You know, you can have the last word." And my last word was this. There aren't centuries of history making white people seem intellectually inferior to black people. And it really gets under my skin when I see powerhouse, workhorse, midfield engine. Like, I mean, don't make them all that they are. And it really pisses me off when I see that. What you're saying is completely correct. And I, I just think is that, like, when people use a narrative, especially if it's for, like, black players who are quick or who are fast or who are strong, you know, for me, it is demeaning because if anybody who knows football is that, it's any position you play requires skill. A guy who is purely just fast is useless to me. I don't want you on my team. See, Theo Walcott, I'm not calling him completely useless, but, I mean, he's just paced. If you're not, I will. Speedy Gonzalez, thank you, but I need a brain. I need some incentives. I need a footballing brain. If you don't have that, I don't care how fast you are. You're useless. Like, Romadel for Denmark, he was one of the quickest players I think the game has ever seen, but... He's not of that much use because that is only that's all he had in his game was just his speed. Without the supplementary required attributes, you can't be in a functioning football team. But yeah, I'm I'm just super impressed, and I'm glad he's a Chelsea player. Um, just to watch his improvement from year to year is, is really special. I'm kind of scared that you know PSG or Real Madrid is going to come in for him. But Conte in Europa League. Nah. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, wait. How do you go from being in a World Cup final to playing the Europa League? Azerbaijan. Nah, man. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, same same thing for Hazard, I think. Like, Hazard's been brilliant this tournament. And the fact that he Mm. has to go back to Chelsea and I think Antonio Conte might still be there by the time that third place game is over. I don't know. Apparently, Sarri's coming, but that's club football, so we'll save it for later. But Can I start or or do you want to start? I'll start. I'll start. Okay. I think this has to be said. England did not underperform at this World Cup. Every match that was put in front of them, I think they did what they had to do, even when they lost to Belgium. I think that was kind of gamesmanship in a way. They Panama was put in front of them. They beat them. I think it was Tunisia first. Tunisia was put in front of them. They beat them. You either win or lose to go on the right side of the draw, both figuratively and literally to be on the right side. They lose the Belgium game. They get on the right side of the draw. Colombia's put in front of them, extra time penalties, you win. Um, Sweden's put in front of them, they win. Now, Croatia is basically a 50 50 game, in my opinion. It could have gone either way. Um, and it goes to extra time and they lose. I don't think England have underperformed at this tournament. I think they've done what was required of them, which is probably a deviation from most England teams. I think when people think of England, they think of failure in that you're supposed to do 
this well, and then you don't get to the level that we think you're supposed to be at. For this one, it was basically like, look, we put these teams in front of you. You're supposed to beat them, and generally that's what they did. But I don't think England have played exceptionally well to the point of like national ecstasy of what I'm seeing, at least what I gauge from the timeline. It's like, look, the teams they've beat haven't been world beaters. <laughs> like Panama, mm. Tunisia, Belgium's B team, Colombia without James, Sweden, and what's remaining of the last peak years of like this elderly golden generation of Croatia. Like, it's not like you guys have played Brazil, Belgium, France, uh, Portugal, Uruguay, like Spain. You mm. haven't played anybody on that level. So I don't really quite understand past kind of nationalism and being proud of being English or whatever. Like, what exactly have England done that's impressive rather than just standard for who they've played? I guess that's more of a question than it is some sort of slander. Like, I, I don't want to slander England because I feel like you guys have played well. But mm. it's not like you've played well against good teams. Which, no, no, what is very true, and I think it's something that people should really realize is that Panama, Tunisia, okay, the Belgian thing wasn't really anything. Colombia without Hammers, Rod Rodriguez, and Sweden. So it's like, again, none of these teams you'd even talk about in the conversation of actually coming near a World Cup. My thing is this is that. Before this game, I said Croatia are the favourites because Croatia are the better team. And first of all, all the English bookies put England as favourites. All the pundits, the media, the newspaper say, oh no, this England should win. This is this is a game that England should really be, be looking to win and beat them. We are, we are much better than them and everything. I say, wait a minute, where do you get this arrogance from? Like, where does this arrogance come from? You realise that you're playing a team that has both Luka Modric and even Rakitic on that team. Those two alone should already say that, okay, look, these guys are better than us already. And you have the experience of Mandzukic in there as, as, as well. And you, and you have like Parisic and Rebic. And the fact that this team has been together for almost a decade, mm -hmm. they're a better team. You guys are just on the come up. Who cares what you've done for your Premier League and so forth? You As a team, you're on the come up. You're young. You've not really been together that long. Going up against a team who have been together for a very long, long time. So... But just the arrogance that England assumed they would be in the final. And we're like, you know, this, this is our best chance ever of making a France. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Slow your horses. How are you already planning a route to a France? This is your this is your best chance. No. You take each game as it comes. Croatia is a team standing anyway who also wants to get into a final. How are you looking beyond them by, well, you know, look what will happen if we if we face France? I mean. They were doing so well, like they were they were humble to begin with with this team. And then that whole it's coming home thing and we can win it. And like <sighs> yo, man, the yo, okay, I I can admit it. Like it's coming home was cute the first week, but it's been a month and a half. And I <laughs> I I don't want to say I was happy that England lost to where I don't have to hear that anymore, but I'm kind of happy they lost, so I don't have to hear that anymore. Extremely annoying, man. Like, extremely <laughs> annoying, man. I think it was done to be tongue-in-cheek. It was being sarcastic. Okay. I didn't, I didn't, they didn't really think they were going to win. It was just sort of like okay. a jokey kind of thing, so. All right, all right. But still, I mean, it was, I, I was, I was quite annoyed with it by the end. But yeah, man, I, I, I looked at the team and I was like, there's something to build upon there, which is, I think, should be the big takeaway from this World Cup. It's that this is a different England. Like maybe the old England, if they play those teams, maybe they probably end up losing somehow. 
and then it's an embarrassment that way. But the fact that they did what they were supposed to do and lost to what I would say is a better team. I know you say the bookies said Croatia was worse than England and England was favorite. I don't know how, but you know, the the fact that they lost to that team isn't an embarrassment, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was impressed with Southgate overall. I think there were some tactical changes that he could have done in this game that might've gave England a better chance of getting the two zero or maybe two one. When you have a, a, a team like Croatia, who have Rakitic and Modric in midfield, the fact that you really only have Henderson in there to try to combat that was a bit naive, um, considering that Ali wants to get in the box. Um, mm. Lingard goes on these runs wide, sometimes central. You know, the wingbacks weren't really coming in. There was just basically Modric and Rakitic against Henderson. I don't know why you thought that was going to be effective in some way. I don't know why either Delph or Loftus-Cheek didn't arrive in the game, just to try to give them just some spark, especially Loftus-Cheek, someone who, like England's main threat at this World Cup has been the use of set pieces. Mm. Loftus-Cheek is basically a six foot three, well, not basically. He is a version, a six foot three Eden Hazard, someone who gets the ball, drives forward, and gets fouled. The fact that you wouldn't put that in the team to get yourself a set piece, a free kick, I don't understand why that didn't happen. And then you put in Jamie Vardy when you need a goal, who's mostly a counter-attacking specialist and Croatia are going to sit back. I don't exactly I mean, understand how that works. No, 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 no. Basically, England have to change their men- men- mentality. Like, being in England and playing in the in different parks and, you know, Astrotov and everything, there are people who know how to play. There are people who really know how to play. But there just is not enough development and focus on play good football. Like England, once it's got really nervous and their backs were against the wall, they reverted back to playing long ball. Yeah. Croatia, once Croatia just raised their level and they were moving the ball around, nice, good movement, one touch, England just were not able to try and like gain momentum and actually play. They were just like long ball, hoofing it up and everything. So what I was so impressed with this team is that, oh, wow, this team actually knows how to play. There's a composure and a maturity about them. Mm. And they and they lost that in extra time. Because I in extra time, man, it switched. Like extra time, you really saw Croatia's quality see them through. As soon as Perisic scored the equalizer, you could yeah, tell that that the Croatia the game flipped because yeah. England England got a bit nervous, and it was really telling, as you say. Like one of the big things that we saw from the Southgate team, I guess, just to start was okay. You put in Pickford, who's like a ball playing goalkeeper, if that's a thing. Um, you play with Maguire, you play with Stones, you have Walker in there, like people who can play football in that sense, right? You're supposed to build from the back, essentially. Like, but then they just started going route one. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is this is kind of antithetical to everything that had been promised or at least shown before. Um, and then Harry Kane again, like penalties, deflections is great, but we need you now. <laughs> like, you have to show up in these knockout Let's games. Be, and okay, I no, thought no, no, he was. Danny, let's be real. If you're a world class striker, you have to score that chance. I mean, one one on one with the keeper to make it two zero, you have to score that. If he makes it. They probably win. I think it, they win. You're in the final. The best strikers miss chances like that. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to slate him too much, but it was his overall use in the game that I wasn't. He was in central exactly. in midfield. He was in yeah, central. I, he, midfield. he wasn't playing as a striker. Now, obviously, some of that's tactical. Like you want Harry Kane to come up a bit. That way, you can have Sterling, Lingard, whomever to run off him. But you need to be useful at least, and I don't think he was that useful. But let's uh, talk about Croatia, man. Everybody's writing them off, man. The final, everybody's writing them off, and I'm See, like, <laughs> This is why I call you Hope Bayless, man. 
<laughs> what? Because, like, you picked Liverpool in the Champions League final, and I know you're going to pick Croatia for this. I know it because it's 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 a it's a win-win proposition. Like, if France win, they're supposed to win. So there's no risk or there's no joy or credit in picking France or Real Madrid to win a final, right? But if you pick Liverpool or if you pick Croatia and they lose, ah, oh, they were supposed to lose. If they win, then you look like a genius. This is Hope Bale or Skip Bayless behavior, which I think you've adapted in some form or fashion. Like I think people who pick Croatia here are just being a bit too smart for their own good because they've played, in, in essence, they've played 90 minutes of extra time. They've played a whole extra game. They have the 30-year-olds on their team. Like, Mandzukic looked dead. Modric had to come off. Rakitic looked like he was running in mud as well. Like, well, their players look well, dead. And I know you're going to give me the thing of, like, a final is a final. It's a different game. Don't – you have to put everything aside. A final is a different realm. It's Neptune, whatever you're going to say, right? But hmm. France look good. <laughs> France have only had to play 90 minutes. France have beaten Argentina. They've beaten Uruguay. The, the two of the three best teams – in South America, maybe that's false in terms of Argentina, but you get my point. Traditionally, uh, they've beaten Belgium, who top three team in Europe at this point. It's Croatia. As, as much as we talk about England's road to the final or would-be road to the final, Denmark, Russia, England isn't the greatest. And the fact that you had to go through extra time on all of those penalties twice, Croatia being picked or chosen for the final, I think you're just it's, – it's a bridge too far, man. No, 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 no. My thinking is, on paper, France should easily beat Croatia. But let's rewind to two years ago. Let's be real. On paper, France should have beaten Portugal in that in that Euro final. Kante wasn't at this level. Kante didn't even play in the. Let in the no, 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 but, but let's be real. Don't just let, let's be real. If Kante plays on in paper, that, if, if you take twenty eighteen Kante and put twenty eighteen Kante in the twenty sixteen team. They probably win that final against Portugal. Let's be honest. No, so okay. Using that final against France, I, I think is, is but let, is okay, unfair. but he wasn't there. But let's just admit that still on paper, France should have beaten Portugal. And remember, France had to go yeah. through Germany to yeah, of, of get course, yeah, they, they were the home team as well. So you're right. Yeah. So and we all know what happened. My thing about this is that this there is such a strong belief in this Croatian team. They're so overwhelming underdogs, but the fact that they're underdogs, but the fact that they're, they're still quality, the fact that they've still managed to come through penalty shooters, penalty shooters, extra time. These are Eastern European dudes, man, because I know a few <laughs> Croatians, man. These guys are like, they have the hearts of lions. And my thing is that people are underestimating the amount of desire that these guys have. First of all, they are, they are still good. They're still a quality team. But beyond that, these guys have serious, serious desire. And there's something about France where they're such huge favorites based on what they've done so far, who they've come through. And the fact that when you look at both teams on paper, France are easily, easily superior. And this World Cup has just been a World Cup of shocks. It's been a World Cup of surprises. And it wouldn't, it would go with the script and narrative of this World Cup if Croatia just somehow shocked the world and actually managed to win this and become the first basically if ever there was a world cup for there to be a new winner it's this one based on how this world cup has gone and how exciting surprising and shocking it's been do you know what you're driven by narrative it's more like the better story is croatia therefore i think croatia will win 
there's every team has a narrative. France has a narrative as well. You know, Deschamps won the World Cup as a player. If he wins as a manager, I think Beckenbauer's the only guy to act with it as a player, stroke captain, and a manager as well. There's a mm. narrative. There's the narrative of Paul, Paul Pogba and Graham soon as possibly um, shooting him <laughs> if Pogba is a World Cup winner. So there's that narrative. <laughs> you know, the narrative of Mbappe, the 19-year-old, what he's done winning a World Cup. But I feel this stronger narrative is, I believe Croatia are the smallest country ever to be in a World Cup final. Modric, this would seal the deal of him winning the Ballon d'Or. Does Croatia first... have a does Croatia have a lesser population than Netherlands? Easily, Croatia is tiny. Is it? Croatia? No, no, no. Croatia. I think. I mean, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure that Croatia are smaller than Netherlands. Four point two million. That's smaller than London, man. Netherlands pop. Oh, 17. Damn, yeah. Wow, okay. Netherlands is a dense place. Considering how big it is. 4 million. 4 million. That's that's like Uruguay levels. Maybe Uruguay would be up there in terms of like yeah, this yeah, population because no, 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 no. I know they have two from like the 30s or whatever. So yeah, it's a good story. You know, the Madrid story. If Have you seen the tweet that's going around? Like he grew up in like a, a refugee camp basically. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah. Madrid's story is crazy. I mean... Just his journey from being a kid to refugee camps to going to wherever he played football at, then Tottenham, then Real Madrid. Like, great story from, from Madrid. So if he, if he can lift the cup, he's the captain as well. So if he could lift that cup yeah. for Croatia, that'd be great. Like, imagine lifting a cup for a country that didn't exist when you were born. Yeah. That's, I mean, maybe I'm talking out of my neck there. I don't know enough about Eastern European history, but I'm pretty sure Croatia didn't exist. I'm pretty sure Luka Modric would have been born in, like, Yugoslavia or Soviet Union or someplace like that. Again, you don't come here for facts. You come here for entertainment. So, Yeah, and so you're leading Croatia in the final, huh? Yep. Uh, I mean, you know my pick. Man. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Finally, you have to stay with... with, with, with... Listen, man, listen. With, I'm telling you, like, I'm picking with, with, France for every with, with major Bronx, tournament that they're in. Until probably 2030. They have the young players, and I like their team. So far on this podcast, we've done two major tournaments. We've done Euro 2016 at the very beginning, and this is the last episode of this one, obviously. Not the last, but the latest edition of the Talking Tactics podcast. And I'm two for two in terms of being in the final. I'd like to be one for two and actually getting the prediction right. But France isn't a bad way to go if you just want a team at the start. It's very shameful, or shameless, I should say, of people who like, yo, I'm supporting like whatever, like you're Nigerian or Ghanaian or whomever. Uh, well, I mean, like an A because they won in the tournament. So, like, you start with Nigeria and mm. then Nigeria go, then you live in England or wherever. So now you're with England. Now, England are out. So now you're on France because France are African, quote unquote. Like, no, that's, how do you that's, have four or five teams in a tournament, man? Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's cheap. That's cheap. Yeah, man. All right. So, we got a few questions and we can get out of here on these, man. Best clutch moment so far. These are this is a question from odds first. Oh, I still think that I, I, I still think the the well actually he said top three if you have time. So my top three would be Cristiano's free kick. Oh yeah. In the Spain Portugal game. I think I think he said that's Tony Cruz and the Courtois save. Tony Cruz free kick for sure. That's in the top three. The the Courtois save. That's clutch. Because that was because that, that that was going in. That would have been the the equalizer. That was going in. Which one? Like the the, the Neymar effort? Yeah, like in in the last. I don't minutes. think that was going in. I don't think that was going in. 
Of course it was good. No, no. Wait, so watch it watch again. It again. Watch, watch it again. You watch going. it again. <laughs> well, I don't no, know. No, watch it again. It was good. If, if it doesn't touch that, it was it was going into the roof of the net. It was going in. <laughs> but it's that not... ball was going straight in. Clutch. It's Ronaldo. We got Ronaldo. We got Tony Kroos. Hope it was on Courtois. There's got to be another one that we're forgetting. Oh, um, actually. Well, you could maybe Marcus Rojo against Nigeria. Ah, uh, that's a good one. Yeah, was that 86? Oh, no, no, no. Well, for forgetting, my gosh, Yeri Mina against England. That yeah. was the definite. We see, I called him Yeri Clutch. <laughs> <Forget this. laughs> that. Yeah, man, yeah. there's been Yeri Clutch, there's been Tony Clutch, and you would never yeah, ever yeah. call Cristiano Clutch because he's your nemesis. No, no, no. So, no. yeah, those are th- those are our three. Um, mm. Were England really a success at this World Cup, or did the hype train carry people away? Um, I think the hype train carried people away because they were successful. Um, shocking tackle, if I can answer your question quickly. Players whose stock has sharply risen or fallen due to this World Cup. Messi and Cristiano's stock has fallen. Actually, no, Cristiano's stock has sort of risen a bit. Messi's stock has definitely fallen. I think... Um, Mbappe's has risen. Mbappe has risen. Golovin's has risen. Has, has, has risen. Hazard has definitely risen. Rebic, I think, has risen. Oh, Reb- yep. Rebic. Um, um, Varan, Varan, Conte. I'm trying to think of maybe teams that got eliminated. I would for me. I would say Coutinho's stock has risen. Who's Coutinho. who's who's the Sweden centre back? Grunk, Grunk, yeah, Gram, yeah, Gram, Kvist, Gram Kvist. Can't pronounce. Y'all got some confusing names out there in Sweden, bro. <laughs> you know there are people from Sweden who listen to this podcast. Shout out to you guys, bro, from Sweden, man. Yeah, what's up, please? Coaches, coaches on how to say the names. Um, I thought he, I thought his stock had really risen. Um, Fallen's a bit difficult. Uh, Boris Mason asks, Modric 2018 or Snyder 2010? Yo, this this is a very interesting question in terms of, he might mean the World Cup, but if we just take it in terms of like a year. Oh, Snyder, easily. Snyder won the treble in 2010. <laughs> you won the treble, come on, man. But if Modric somehow wins a World Cup and the Champions League in the same season, is that more impressive than winning a treble with Inter? I think it is. It has it, to be. No, it is, it is. It is so... It is. We will wait and see on that one, Boris. Um, thoughts on Jorginho to Chelsea? No comment. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna that no jigs, no jigs, no jigs, man, because that means Sorry's coming in. Sorry comments, that means Kante's gone, but we won't talk about that. Um, with England's heartbreaking defeat to Croatia, how proud should the players and staff feel about what they've done in this tournament for Pac Mouse? Should feel good. The fans should feel good. The players should feel good. The coaches should feel good. Coaches should feel good because they should get a raise. Players should feel good because that means they'll probably get more caps. And the fans should feel good because England didn't disappoint you. Doesn't mean they were wholly, wholly impressive, but they weren't disappointing, which is a deviation from what you're used to, I suppose. Um, So we won't talk before the third place game or the final. So any, any thoughts on the third place game? Oh, yeah. Just quickly, do you think third place game should exist? No. <laughs> I don't get the point other than the clear money grab. Like, yeah, like it's, <laughs> this it's, is just, it's, hey, it's, we can... It's we can, the dumbest kind of game to have. It's like... We can just more, fill up point? one more stadium, get one last payday, and who knows where that money goes for FIFA. Probably just somebody driving a Bentley somewhere. Yeah, I, I don't think third place games should, should exist. Imagine you lose a semifinal and then you finish fourth. Like, what's the point? Like, you lose twice, but you made it to a semifinal? Like, that's not fair. And this is another thing. I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before. The third place team 
in essence, feels better than the second place team because you won the last game that you played at the oh, World yeah, Cup. Yeah, 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 and then true, the team yeah. that loses the World Cup final is in tatters. Oh, no, it's, it's the worst. Feel. Like, I'd rather lose any other game than a World Cup. The worst game to lose is a World Cup final. That's the worst game to lose. Yeah, but like, if let's let's say if England went third place and mm. Croatia goes second. England mm. are probably going to end this tournament with a better feeling in their mouth. Oh, no, for in sure. In some way, than Croatia. Croatia could have been devastated. And mm. England would be like, hey, they, you know, we won third place. I, I, have, I have a hard time with that in the Olympics, which is kind of why, I like, um, at least in boxing, I can go from there. After the semifinal is over, the two losers both get a bronze medal, and then you play for gold and silver. So, like, there isn't a third place last match, I don't think. So I kind of like that rather than having an out-and-out game. So like you lose, you get your bronze medal. You don't get to win it or lose it. Yeah, and that's for the final. I'm going for France. You, do you have a scoreline? Are you going like? Oh no, no, it's, 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 too, it's too early for a scoreline. I need to Cro- think about Croatia on penalties or something. No, I'm I'm sticking with Croatia, but I'm not sure how. My scoreline is gonna be. Oh man, I'm gonna go France three. Whoa, Croatia. Carl's gonna hate me. <laughs> I'm gonna go three one. I'm gonna go three one. I like three one. I know it's an overused scoreline call. Don't shoot me, man. Next time you see me, don't shoot me. But three one. I'm gonna go three one France. I, it, it feels like a right time to use it. It's three one superpower. Um, yeah. So this has been our our podcast, man. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Hit the hearts on SoundCloud if you like what you hear. Even if you don't like what you hear, hit the hearts anyway. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a review. You can follow me at Danny to look. Have hope. Where can the people get you? Find me at Half Hope Hots. You can find me on Instagram and Half Hope Football Hots YouTube. You know what's really interesting is like what? with with the podcast analytics. As soon as we like end the football discussion and we get to here, you can just see like people just click off. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like uh you know eighty percent or seventy percent of the people have listened basically to like 40, 50 minutes, which is healthy. And then as soon as we get to this portion, it drops like 40%. <laughs> so shout out to you 40% people who listen to like the whole podcast, man. Like shout out to you guys. Uh, but yeah, we will see you when you see you, man. Talking that this podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always for the ball. Indeed. Peace. Peace out. Sports Social Podcast Network.